All right, family, we got a little treat today. If you know Jez, you know it's a good day for us. <laughs> Jez has been walking with the Lord for 40 years, so that's longer than most of us have been alive. Let's just go there. And the cool thing about Jez and Lindsay um, is they, they're just people that say yes to Jesus. They just say yes. And as a result, many, many lives have been blessed, touched, ministered to through their yes and just their openness to God, to people, to their home, everything's just so rad to see kingdom people. IVC is a beautiful family. Our biggest prayer, me and Holly, like literally outside of revival and Jesus, you know, send the wave of your glory to this city is for fathers and mothers. And you can join us in that prayer. We have always just prayed it. God has like, you guys are going to become it. But once in a while, we trickle down a father and a mother into this family. And I just would love for us to just stand just to honor Jez right now as he's going to bring the word as I just pray a little blessing over him. So, Father, thank you for the life of this man. God, thank you that your word never returns void without accomplishing what you send it forth to do, whether he's singing a song or preaching the good news. So, God, we just say yes. Just say yes to Jesus. <laughs> just yes to your word in our life today, God. Whatever you want to share with us, we just want to open our hearts to you. Amen and amen. How are we doing? Can you hear me back there? I just wanted, before I begin, I've got my beautiful cousin, Robbie, standing at the back there, right at the back. Look, we'll turn around and look at him, make him feel really awkward. Robbie's all the way from Seattle. Um, his uncle, his sorry, his dad is my uncle. Uh, he's on his deathbed right now, just about to pass away. Uh, so pray for that. Um, he's a great man of God. He had planted a bunch of churches in Paris, um, dealt a lot with drunk people and uh, alcohol problems and stuff like that in Paris, and uh, talked all around the world about church growth. Amazing godly man, one of those men in my life that I've always looked up to. And Robbie's the same. He's a, he's a scholar in the ways of Jesus. And um, I take my, take my hat off to him. <laughs> We've got a lot in common. His mum is my mum's sister. His mum passed away um, about, a year and a half, about a year and a half ago now. Yeah. Um, we love him. I also want to thank you all for praying for Lindsay. She was in Africa up until last weekend with her dad, who was dying. Um, we all prayed that uh, he would pass away while she was out there. And um, even better, we didn't even think about, he passed away two days after she left. So it was great that she, you know, she slept with him in his bed every day. She was out there for three weeks just nursing him and everything. She's that sort of woman, my, my wife. She's right now, she's in the maternity unit in hospital delivering a baby. Um, that's what Lindsay does. Uh, so I just thank you so much for praying. And uh, her dad passed away two days afterwards, so he, he he was struggling a lot. So it was good that we know he's gone to heaven. So that's all good things. So um, I'm going to speak to to uh, this evening. Um, I, I was going to call it Christians in the Workplace, but that's a terrible title, horrible title. So I'm not going to call it that. It's um, it's basically I'm I'm calling it to. This is our calling our calling in life. We all struggle with what we're supposed to be doing in this life of Jesus. Uh, what are we called to do? But what I'm going to talk to you tonight is this is what we're called to do. 
And uh, anyway, I'll speak more about that. Anyway, this song is very relevant to what I've got to speak about. And I'm speaking about Jesus. Of course, we always speak about Jesus. What a... Some say he was an outlaw That he roamed across the land With a band of unschooled ruffians And a few old fishermen No one knew just where he came from Or exactly what he'd done But they said it must be something bad That kept him on the run Some say he was a poet That he'd stand upon the hill And his voice could calm an angry crowd Or make the way stand still That he spoke in many parables That few could understand But the people sat for hours Just to listen to this man Some say he was a sorcerer, a man of mystery. He could walk upon the water, he could make a blind man see. That he'd conjure wine at weddings and did tricks with fish and bread. That he'd talk to being born again and raise people from the dead. Some say a politician who spoke of being free. He was followed by the masses on the shores of Galilee. He spoke out against corruption and he bowed to no decree. And they feared his strength and power, so they nailed him to a tree. Some say he was the son of God, a man above all men. But he came to be a servant and to set us free from sin. And that's who I believe he was, and that's who I believe. And I think we should get ready, for it's time for us to leave. Yeah, I want to talk about, tonight I want to talk about who we, are, who we are, as a people are called to be uh, and start off by speaking about Jesus. Who is Jesus? Um, so Jesus um, came to this planet, uh, Son of God. We only really have documented the last three years of his life, although there was one or two incidences when he disobeyed his parents that we know about in the Bible. But most of... Uh, uh, the recordings of Jesus were in the last two to three years of his life. Um, and that's when the, he met up with his disciples. And as soon as his disciples joined up, they um, um, basically wrote about him. And uh, that's how we know about Jesus today. Not only that, the Bible spoke about Jesus hundreds of years before he actually arrived. 
um, telling us that he was going to die on the cross, and he fulfilled that prophecy. So Jesus, born, um, as you know, to Mary and Joseph, grew up um, uh, in a trade. He was a carpenter, um, and um, I imagine a very good carpenter. I wouldn't mind buying a cabinet from him. Um, but he grew up a carpenter, and that's for me, that is really, really interesting that uh, Jesus, the Son of God, would choose um, a job like carpentry. I mean, I'm, if they had electrics in those days, he could have been an electrician. Um, he could have been a plumber. Same sort of thing, you know. I'm not, I'm not comparing a plumber to a carpenter, but he took a trade on, and he was a, a, a tradesman, probably earlier than the age of 16, and stuck with that job for about 15 years. And what do you, I mean, what do you think Jesus was doing that time? Not, it's not big in the Bible. It doesn't tell us about what he was doing as he's making his cabinets. It doesn't tell us how good those cabinets were. But it really, really interests me that Jesus, for, uh, for up to the last three years of his life, where we know lots about his life, how he preached in the synagogues, how he set people free, how he delivered people, chose to be a carpenter for 15, 16 years. Um, and suddenly he met with his disciples and boom, whole of life of Jesus took, up, took off. It reminds me, it, I, I, love, um, I love hearing about actors that um, didn't get born into it. You know, suddenly the age of 40 or 60, they become famous. Like um, you all heard of John Hamm, big actor, one of the biggest actors out there at the moment. He's 35 when he actually got discovered or actually make his breakthrough. Samuel, Samuel Jackson, he's the most, he's been in more movies than anyone else in almost in history or something crazy like that. And he was in his 40s before he was discovered. Um, Ricky Gervais, 40, um, comedian, as you know. Um, Harrison Ford, 33. Michael Caine, 33. And um, the best one, Judy Dench. Judy Dench was 60 when she was discovered, 60 years of age when she became M. In James Bond, when she really became famous. So Jesus really came into the spotlight at around his early 30s um, when he connected with his disciples. And suddenly they were all writing about him. They couldn't believe this man that they met. Um, in Matthew 4, 18 to 22, this is what Jesus suddenly, when he first met his disciples, when he first stopped being a carpenter, when he first broke into, almost broke into the big time if you want, Suddenly, everyone hears about this carpenter from, uh, from Nazareth. Matthew 4, 18 to 32. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and, their father, and followed him. So here we've got Jesus talking about making, changing from fishing for fish into fishing for people. The first thing Jesus was into was even almost even before these people got to know, these disciples got to know him, he said, "I'm going to teach you how to disciple other people, to 
bring other people to me. Make you fishers of men. And in Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, as Christians, and I've actually, um, when I said to Jason earlier on, I've been a Christian for 40 years. I hate to say this, but I've actually been a Christian for 51 years. I became a Christian when I was nine. Uh, at um, so I think I've told you all this before. At Sunshine Corner, where everything's jolly fine. We used to sing songs and stuff like that and read our Bible. And I became a Christian because I felt the presence of God. And I realized I had to let God come into my lighthouse. Um, so um, I've known the Lord. I've been around quite a bit. And uh, you can see I've, you know, I've got a few gray hairs. I actually haven't got any hair at all at the moment, but uh, I'm getting older. Um, one of the things as a Christian, as you get older and older and older, and when you're younger, and one of the things I love about this church is there's so many young people who are really on fire for God, who are living out their faith, who are wanting the next thing, the next thing. They want more and more of Jesus. And that's what life is all about, is wanting more and more of Jesus. And one of the things in relationship I found in my, in my long years is I used to sit sometimes at, at, at the foot of my bed or on my, on my couch in the, in the lounge with my Bible, spend hours. I still do. And, I, and I'm asking the Lord, Lord, give me your presence. Show me your presence. And sometimes I'm sitting there for hours and hours, for weeks and weeks, for months and months. And you don't really feel that what you want. You've heard about it. You've heard about how God comes. Angels stand in your room and tell you what you're going to do next. The, the presence of the Lord comes inside, fire and brimstone, stuff like that. But sometimes the Lord just wants you to come to his feet and be obedient. And for me, um, in my relationship with Jesus, one of the greatest things I found is acts of obedience to the Lord. Now, the Lord's called us for a, to go out and fish for men. He's called us not to find him and put a lid on our faith, but he's told us to shine a light. He's told us to stand on top of a hill and be like a beacon. And to me, that is, that is huge. That's like everything we are in Christ needs to come out and shine before God. There's so many scriptures um, in the Bible that talks about how we need to wake up and shine the light of the Lord. Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's what the Bible talks about. And um, for me, in my life, I've gone up and down. I've had, I've had years dark years where I've, I've decided I'm going to try to do things in my own way and I've decided to, to pull away from God and find out what the world's got to offer. And there's nothing, anything at all this world can offer other than Jesus Christ. When you're, when you're sharing your faith, when you're sharing who you are, when you're praying for someone at work and things change visually, it's the most exciting thing you can ever have. There's nothing else in this world that can excite you as much. And the more you do it, 
the more great your life becomes, even through the hard times, because you know that you're obeying God. When we moved over here, me and Lindsay from, from England, it was, we had four little boys, four tiny boys. Our oldest boy was 12, and our youngest boy was three or four, I think. Zell could probably tell me. I've got so many boys, I forget their ages. I don't know how you manage. <laughs> um, and um, it was, a, you know, when you're, when you're living in England and you come to California, people think, oh, I wish God would call me to California. Well, what a great place to be called to, you know. But it's huge. I had a big business. I had 65 people working for me. I had a family, all going to their schools and everything. But God started to call us out here. And there's a massive process, which I'm not going to talk to you about right now. But I just felt when we moved, when we did it, when we obeyed the Lord and we arrived over here, God suddenly opened up everything, house-wise, job-wise. My first job ever, I've never been a designer in my life before. First job I had was to design Robert Zemeckis' film studios, which Robert Zemeckis obviously is a big film director, Forrest Gump and all those big movies and stuff. And God really provided for us as a family and started opening up, this is what I want you to do. Our, our charity, UTU, took off in Haiti. We couldn't have done the things we've done in England uh, that we can do over here. It's been amazing. And um, so obedience is like, it's, it just draws you closer to God. You know when you, pro- when you get involved in prophecy, when you pray for people and you see God move in their life? You know what it does to your heart? You know, imagine if your whole life was like Jesus where at work, you're praying. You, you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, give me something today. Give me something for the people I work with. I believe and I, I'm certain that God always puts you around the people. God always puts people around you. And he doesn't put them there just for no reason. He puts them there because you, we carry, as Christians and lovers of Jesus, we carry the Holy Spirit. We have a presence within us that when we walk into a room, it changes things. And for years and years, I never noticed, I never saw this. It was like, you know, I just walk in, there's a meeting going on, I sit down, I've seen these people before. What's he looking like over there? He's, yeah, why do you have to say that? That was really horrible and stuff like that. But then when you start looking through God's glasses and you start seeing things differently, it changes everything. It changes your life. We're here at church today. And, you know, a lot of Christians, and I've done it for years and years and years, where church was what really authenticated me as a Christian. Church isn't that. Church is, we're here because we love each other. We build each other up. We talk about what we're going to do out there in the marketplace. That's where it all happens. That's what we're called for. Whether we're called to other countries, whether we're called to be a plumber, whether we sweep the roads, whatever we do, that's where God has us, and God would have us reaching out. And, and you know, I, I hear a lot of the times, I mean, my wife is, as you probably all know, she's, uh, she, she calls me an introvert, and she's an extrovert. Isn't that right, Lizelle? Yeah. And she's very extroverted, my wife. She will say anything at any time, any given moment of the day. Sometimes it can be embarrassing in the middle of dinner, you know, and stuff like that, but she'll just say it. She'll call it out what it is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we're talking about this, you know, I work here, I work there. How can I speak to my boss about Jesus? How can I speak to this girl over here who's struggling, got addictions, or she's definitely struggling with something in her life? How can I reach out to her? I'm an introvert. I'm not like these other people who get excited and really tell everyone about Jesus and everything. 
you know, I personally feel that introverts are better off out there in the marketplace than extroverts. Do you know why? Because one of the biggest things of the Christian is acts of love. It's actually, we love, and the biggest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart. Second biggest one, everything hangs off, is to love your neighbours the same. Your neighbours are the people that God's put around you and put in front of you. And um, so when you introverted people decide, this person over here, I'm going to just tell her one day, or I'm even going to text her, what a beautiful lady she is. Those things change everything. Not only does it change the person, but it changes the introverted or the extroverted, whoever said that thing, it changes you as well because the next time you do it, you've got more courage. Next time you go further and further. And the more you exercise God in your workplace, in the marketplace, God in you out there, the more you exercise it, the more God piles into you. And soon before you know it, you're leading people to Jesus. It's not our responsibility to lead people to Jesus. You need to put that to one side, give it to the Lord. The Lord brings people to himself. It's our responsibility to go out to people and be a light in their presence, be Jesus in their presence, to act out. The Bible talks about acting out our faith, acting out who we are, acting out what God has given us. We've been given so much by the Lord. We, uh, I, I look around here and it's, it, many of you, I mean, just absolutely set me on fire when I'm praying with you, when I see you. You've got so many gifts, amazing things. We cannot stifle these. We must take them out. We must take them outside. I, I, I have a, my father's who died about three and a half years ago, post-war dad. One of the greatest things, I look at him, we never had a relationship, me and my dad. It was really struggled to, I remember going out for a drink with him at a pub one time, and it's the first time I'd ever been out with him, and it, I was 26, 27. Um, he came from Second World War, background and we struggled and um, I knew the only way I could really really get to my dad's heart is when I did things I knew that would please him and uh, I know this sounds terrible and I'm not suggesting we all do this my dad was really into classical music in those days at that time I never was so there was times when I felt how am I going to get closer to my dad he's a very strict person and I actually sat there and pretended to like his classical music I, there, I, I've confessed. So I used to listen to this music, and it's some big orchestra music. My dad used to conduct as the music went. But it pleased my dad. I'm not saying we have to be fake to please, but I realized it pleased. And now I love classical music. I listen to it all the time. So I had a, my, my experience with my dad is, you know, it was strained, but it was like I just still wanted to get to know him. And I, unfortunately, I didn't really have a really great, deep, lovely relationship with my dad. My dad's dead now, and you always regret it. So the fa my father in heaven, who is far, far beyond any love you could receive on this earth, he loves us. I mean, he gives us earthly fathers, but nothing, no one could possibly love us like Jesus. I mean, to die on the cross the way he did, just shows how much he loves each and every one of us. So I just want to encourage you. We worship the Lord. We worship him. We'll be worshiping in heaven because how great he is and we want to lift him up. Um, sometimes you want to just really lift him up, you know, punch the air because how great he is. Sharing our faith, you know, when we share our faith with people, it's exciting when people receive what we're saying and they listen to us and maybe give their lives to the Lord or whatever. 
Um, but obedience is just amazing. If you, if you can find out what it is you need to obey God in, obedience will bring you very close to him, really close to him. Um, you know, I've, uh, one of the, um, me and Lindsay are passionate about our neighbors, the people that live with us. And, um, and a lot of the time, we don't see them actually giving their lives to Jesus but we see people getting moved on in their, in their knowledge of God. We, hear, we, um, we, we had an explosion one time. We did a, um, an alpha course at a house where there was about 35 people and 27 of them all arguing and shouting at us around the table um, about Jesus and how crazy it was that we believed in him and put all our lives in front of him and everything. Uh, 27 and eventually after the third, fourth, fifth week started giving their lives to the Lord. Um, it was like, and if I spent all my life sowing seeds in people to see that happen, it's like, oh, oh my goodness. One of the guys now has planted about 150 churches in South Africa. He was the most passionately against Jesus out of all the people there. We had Sarah Sainsbury, uh, it's like Albertsons. Her parents owned Albertsons in England, Sainsbury's all over the place. She was spoke like that, like the queen, you know, absolutely, there's no Jesus. You're just making it all up, you know. She, her husband gave his life to the Lord. They ended up getting a divorce, unfortunately. But he's walking with Jesus. Um, it's like, guys, we go to work, not just to work, not just to make cabinets, not just to make plumbing, not to put electrics in, not just to sit in the office. And we're there because God's put us there. And he's put all these people around us. And all they want to hear is the words of the Lord. And the words of the Lord in your heart are just little moments of, Lord, what do I say to this person? Work with Jesus on this. He will work with you. He will work with you. Um, Matthew uh, 9, verse 35 to, to 38. Let me just read this to you. How am I doing, Jason? Time-wise. Still early? Okay, Matthew 9. Sorry, there's lots of wind up here. It's blowing everything all over the place. Matthew 9. 35 to 38. See, all got your Bibles out there. Matthew 9, 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And that, that applies today. You know, there's probably 100,000 times more people on this planet to when Jesus said that. There's so many people out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest. Ask Jesus what your harvest is. And harvest is when you bring it in. Ask the Lord what your harvest is. Who are your people? What, do you want you, what does he want you to say to them? Just give it all over to him and he'll tell you. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And I think this is 
really important. Um, he said, ask the, Lord to, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So what the Lord's saying there is, you may be alone. You may be thinking that you're the only one in this great big office block with all these people you work with. And you know the Lord, but where can you begin? Ask the Lord to bring others like you into that same place where you can pray together, where you can worship together, where you can talk to, with each other and pray for people and see things change. The Lord says the harvest is big, so we need other people to come and help us bring the harvest in. And I just want to round things up. Um, Matthew 10, verses 1 to 20. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every sickness and disease. These are the names of the 12. Sorry, have I got the right one? Yeah, these, um, Matthew 10, verses 1 to 20. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who called Peter, his brother, Andrew. Um, so he's bringing all the apostles in. These 12, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or into, in, into any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come the, near. The kingdom of heaven has come near, near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not get any gold or silver or copper to take with you um, in your belts. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or a staff for the worker is worth his keep. Whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. As you enter the home, give it your greeting. This is like, you don't take this passage like literally, where you need to go out into towns and places, take your shoes off and get rid of everything else. What the Lord's saying is, you go as you are into your workplace. You don't need anything. You have it all. It's all in you. When you love Jesus and um, you're there, you've got Jesus is in you. He goes with you. He takes all the responsibility. So just go into these places, pray. You, you can't do anything without prayer. You need to pray for these people and, and ask God to, to, to help you, to tell you what to say, how to lead these people to the Lord. And it's not your responsibility to lead them to the Lord either. So you don't even need to do that. You just need to share love with them. Love people. Um, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils to be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings at, as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. So I just want to encourage you um, just to believe that the Spirit of the Father is speaking through you. And um, it's... Uh, I look around and I just, I, just, I just see amazing people in this congregation. I see amazing people out in the workplaces. I see people trying to get jobs um, in Santa Barbara, trying to be close to their church. Um, they don't want to leave here. Brothers and sisters are here. We all love each other. We pray each other out when we go out. This is the place where we get fed. This is the place where we get taught. This is the place where we lift each other up. And before God, we speak into each other's lives. It's out there. We need to take it. And we all have it. We have it. 
and I can't stress enough, let's go out there. It, it, it not only will you be, not only will you be changing the atmosphere at your workplaces, not only will you be, you'll, you'll eventually see friends coming to the Lord. You'll eventually see them coming to Jesus. Whether you bring them to the Lord or not, what you share with them, whether it's a moment of love, whether it's just a word in their ear, because um, no one else cares. No one else is going to do that. You will. And when you start seeing people changed, that's when you start feeling it in your heart. That's when you start getting really ex- excited about the Lord. Not only that, at the, while you're doing it, you're obeying the Lord. The Lord called us to do this. He sent us out. After he's got the 12 disciples all built up and excited, he then, before he ascended, he got 140 others, another, another 12 times 12. And that's where we are now. That's where we've come from. We've come from those 12. They've come into, they came into the world to go out to all four corners. You know, if Jesus hadn't risen from the cross, we would never have had the Christian movement we had in this world, the biggest movement ever in history of these Christians going out, declaring the gospel around the world. You know, his disciples loved Jesus. They followed him for three years passionately. They'd do anything for him. And uh, when he suddenly died, you'd expect them to go wither down and mourning for years and years. Oh, we knew this guy. He was amazing. Creator of the universe. He's healed people. The stuff he did was unbelievable. And they'd be in their rooms crying their eyes out. But what did they do when Jesus died and rose again? He appeared to them. He appeared to them on over 40 days, many occasions, and to other people because he was setting them on fire. He was lifting them up. This is me who was on the cross for your sins. I'm now alive in heaven, but I want you to go out, my people, go out to the rest of the world and, and, and be the light. And we are the light, guys. We are the light. We are that light. So I'm just really here. It's, it's nothing more I can say. There's no great theory behind this. I'm just, um, I'm excited when my brothers and sisters, I come back with testimonies and exciting stories of um, when they, they shared at work and someone gave their life to the Lord or someone even just came to church, then they gave their life to the Lord. Hands up anyone, hands up if anyone here got saved at a, like a, a Billy Graham concert or a, another big evangelist coming and speaking. Hands up if you got saved from something like that. Not one person. Oh, one person over here. Hands up if you got saved because you eventually, you heard something from a friend at one time and you were inquisitive or you gave your life because a friend led you to the Lord. Hands up if it's something to do with a relationship. Okay, that's most of you. It's, uh, this is where it's at, you know, and we should share what we've been given, what we've been given. We're on this earth for a very short time. You know, there's that song I sang, um, let's work. It's time for us to go. And time is very short and quick. I can definitely tell you that, reaching the ripe old age of 60. I still feel 20. It goes so quick, and it's suddenly out of here. And you look back, and you think, what have I done? You know. And we're all there. We're all in our workplaces. We're all, we've all got people around us. You know. Let's get together with our Christian friends. Let's pray. I've got this person at work who's really struggling. How do I speak to him? How do I speak to her? What do I do, Lord? What do I say? Get your friends together and pray. The harvest is plentiful. They need us. These people need us. They're going to hell, unfortunately, unless they find Jesus. So let's get together, guys. Let's get more into this. Let's, let's lift the Lord up in our workplaces, out in the marketplace, out in our, out in our homes, out in our, our, our neighbors. Let's get people together. Let's, 
let's, let's be very mindful of this all the time, you know. It, it lifts us up. It teaches us. It's, a, it's obedience to God. But it's the, one of the most blessing things when you lead people to Jesus or whether you just move them on that closer to Jesus. So, yeah, that's me done. So I just... My wife, my wife was going to get up and uh, give a whole bunch of testimonies after this. We have a lot of testimonies we'd like to tell you, but that would go on for another couple of hours. But uh, she's uh, delivering babies right now. So, Thank you, Jez. Such a good word. Hey, uh, what time is it? Is it like five or something? Five or six? Why don't we just do one more song? Does that sound good? Cool. You know, the good book tells us whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And I feel like that is a game-changing truth when it comes to work. When you show up at your job to glorify the Lord, not to be a Christian, not to feel the obligation to witness, to love people, but you're just there to love Jesus and to glorify him. And from that place, you can't help but shining who Christ is, right? It says, you know, you are the light, but let your good works shine before men in such a way they may see them and glorify your father, your dad who's in heaven. That's crazy. By people seeing your work ethic and the way that you show up and the way you do life, they're like, wow, I'm just going to glorify the father who is in heaven. Guys, Jesus was a blue collar worker, 30 years. He wasn't trying to get a ministry job and trying to do that. You know, his dad put him in that role later. But 30 years, he's just like Jez was saying, making cabinets, making tables, interacting with people. And if you want to get a heart for where you're working, if you're not already doing this, pray. Begin to pray for coworkers. Begin to pray for the people you're seeing day in and day out. And God will just cultivate a heart for them. And love becomes easy, not challenging. Who's our boss? Does anyone know who your boss is? Don't tell me their name because he only has one name. Your boss is Jesus. That's what the word of God says. You don't have an earthly boss. I mean, you do, but there's a heavenly boss. You're not working for your company. You're working for God. I mean, this thing carries on in the age to come. Faithful with little, faithful with much, faithful with someone else's job, faithful with your own, faithful with unrighteous wealth, faithful with true spiritual riches. Meaning, so it's just like how we treat someone else's job is how we're going to treat our own if we were leading that company one day. But the Bible says we're judging angels. We're going to be in charge of cities. I don't know how all that works, but I know that this earth, this time here, our internship here is going to carry on into that one. Hallelujah.